Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Uh, welcome back in, everyone, to the Go247 podcast. I'm Glenn West, uh, the senior writer here at the site, also joined by uh, Sonny Ship, our recruiting guru and, and longtime writer here at the site as well. Um, you know, we won't we won't. Uh, hash out the gory details of this last weekend's game between LSU and Tennessee, but uh, Sonny and I are just going to kind of give our thoughts here on what uh, LSU can start to do to make some improvements, start showing some steady improvement here as conference play goes along. Um, LSU, of course, dropped that game uh, 40 to 30, 40 to 13 to Tennessee on Saturday. Not really much, uh, not really many positives you can take out of that one, Sonny, but um, you know, I think there's, uh, certainly some avenues here that I think LSU is going to have to start leaning into, going to have to start improving. Uh, Coach Kelly touched on just a couple of them uh, in his postgame presser on Saturday. I'm sure we'll get into it more on Monday with him. But uh, just uh, your overall thoughts uh, on what you saw, what you think this team needs to do moving forward, and we can just bounce it off of that moving for going going forward here. Yeah, you know, I, I think when you're trying to instill a culture and you're trying to make the changes that, that Brian Kelly has made, you obviously want to have those, those positive moments that you can build off of. But in that process, you know there's going to be those, those those negative moments that are going to give you those teaching moments. And that's what this is. And, boy, did they get a lot of teaching moments that came out of, that came out of Saturday. Now – The key is to, you know, the key and and the big test this week is going to be taking those teaching moments and being able to, you know, being able to get those in as well as get your preparation in for Florida, get the mindset of the team right, uh, you know, get everything, pull everyone back in. And that's not to say that, 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 you know, that, that, you know, the wings have spread out and people are, you know, people, they're losing it or anything like that. It's just you got to regroup. You got to get you got to get everybody back on the same page. And this is where the character of this team is going to really show, you know, B.J. Ojolari, uh, you know, he, he's off to a good start. It wasn't really a big factor on Saturday, but, you know, he's a guy that they're going to look to, you know, wearing that number 18 jersey. Um, you know, Mike Jones Jr. hasn't really played a lot lately. You know, is he still going to be that leader that he was looked at going into the season? You know, that's going to be a big test. That's going to be a little challenge for him. You know, he's going to have to pull that, uh, you know, pull that from inside. Ali Gay, same thing. You know, you got a guy who is one of your senior captains 
And, you know, you've got a lot of people saying, okay, well, how come Savion Jones hasn't really played, you know? And so you've got some, you've got some areas where some guys, if they're not fully and completely bought in, you know, you could see where you you could see where they would have a little bit of a tough time with, uh, you know, do we take the easy route and, and do things like we used to, or do they do what Brian Kelly has said? You know, you go, you do it the hard way. You go through the process and you go through your habits that we've created. And so, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge and the biggest test this week. I think that's probably going to be as big of a challenge and as critical to what happens in Gainesville as the actual game plan and the X's and O's on those on each side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't afford to go into this game with, with disconnect, I think is the biggest thing for me. Um, You know, when you look at this roster, you have so many new players you've tried to ingratiate throughout the off season. Um, I think part of the problem is particularly on offense is that they're still looking for those leaders on offense. You mentioned, you know, Ali Gay, Ojalary, Mike Jones, those are all defensive guys. They are still, I think, in search of those leaders that they can really count on on the offensive side of the football. Um, and, you know, when you're dealing with some of the injuries that LSU's dealing with right at the time, you got Garrett Dallinger with a banged up knee, he's got a, a broken hand, you got Will Campbell who went out uh, on, on Friday night in a really scary situation there. Uh, still hoping to learn some more details on on whether he's going to be okay for this year, um, but you know there's there's just a lot of um, uncertainty I think, and I guess we can start with the offense here. Um, just my initial takeaway, what my initial thoughts are uh, with the offense. Um, you've got to lean into what Jaden Daniels does best. I mean, we've tried to see him as a as a pocket passer. You saw him do that um, pretty well against New Mexico a few weeks ago. That was the peak Jaden Daniels, the optimal Jaden Daniels that I think you wanted to see in SEC play. Um, but since then, it's just been a, a bit of a nosedive. And, you know, I know a lot of people are, you know, you know talking about just um, the, the drop-off in the passing game the last couple weeks. And, you know, there were some empty stats, I think, on Saturday. You know, he did end up throwing for 300 yards. But in the key moments when LSU really needed to keep pace with Tennessee in that first half, um, the offense just wasn't able to execute. They weren't able to execute on those fourth down calls. Uh, they weren't able to execute and extend drives in that first half. Um, and, and I think it really cost them in, 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 you know, down the stretch of that game in, in terms of just trying to keep the defense off the field and, and trying to at least match Tennessee in points. So um, I think what you really have to do moving forward here with Daniels is really lean into that run game really lean into what he does with his mobility. Um, you know, they, they, they tried to take their shots. You, they were, they were a little bit more aggressive on Saturday. Um, but you know, just from what we've seen in five games, that's not his strength. That's not his strong suit. He likes to get the ball out quick. He likes to go through his first or second read and get that ball out. Um, I think that's what you really have to lean into. And something that coach Kelly told us on Saturday after the game um, was that they've been a little bit slow to the punch in terms of seven-man protection, in terms of getting a extra tight end or an extra offensive lineman out on the field to really help um, open up or, or kind of extend uh, the, the time that Jaden has in the pocket or open up some more running lanes with an extra blocker. Um, I think you're really going to see them lean into that uh, this week um, you know, by throwing out an extra tight end, by throwing out an extra O-lineman on offense and – 
I think you could very well see a, a different looking offense next week. Uh, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts just kind of on that and just what you what you think about where the offense needs to go in particular. Well, I think, you know, I, I think six games in, Mike Denbrock had the spring and you're six games in. And to me, they're, they're still searching personnel-wise. You know, they're still trying to feel that out. They're still trying to – and look, let's not – you know, let's – you know, it's not it's not doom and gloom. LSU got LSU got absolutely motorboated <laughs> Saturday. There's no question about that. You know, Tennessee just, just ran all over them, okay? But you also have to take some things into consideration. LSU had three – in effect, three starters out on offense when you consider Armani Gooden when the most explosive running back that they have – he was not in there. The running game accounted for 17 yards with the running backs on Saturday. Okay, you're not going to beat anybody like that. Tennessee, on the other hand, ran for I want to say I, I want to say uh, 263 yeah. or something, you know, something like that. And, and granted, Hooker had about 56 yards on that. But you've got to get more production out of your running game. I mean, you're one dimensional at that point. The times that you, you know, and Jaden Daniels on, you know, we talk about his, we talk about you know, throwing the ball. But I think another thing that he's really struggled with this year is, is on the zone read. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like when he should keep it, he hands it and when he should hand it, he keeps yeah. it. And, and so they're still trying to, you know, they're still trying to find their groove in that aspect. Also, uh, you got to look at the wide receiver rotation right now. You know, you've got to, I mean, it, look, you have tried to force feed the ball to Kayshawn booty through six games now, and it's not happened. It's not happening. Um, you know, you can whether the offense is better with him and you know better uh, with him or without him in the lineup. You know, I, you know, I think that remains to be seen because all you've really seen is him in the lineup. But you know, I, I think you really have to look at it now, and you got to say, okay, who is our best three receivers right now? You know, because when you look at it, your best pro prospect in Kayshawn Booty, he is uh, he's fourth on the team in recept in, in receiving right now. And he's averaging about, I think, just over seven yards of reception. You know, this is a guy that was averaging, you know, gaudy numbers going into this season right there. Yeah. You know, Jack Besh, your leading receiver from a year ago, is now tied for seventh in receiving this year. And so, you know, to me, that just that just points and that just highlights a problem to where if you're trying to get your best 11 on the field, well, first, what you got to do is you got to get your best, you know, your best personnel on the field, you know, at each group, at each level. And LSU just hasn't been able to do that. Mike Denbrock hasn't been able to find the rhyme or reason for that. But that's going to be crucial. I mean, look, if you're if you're worried if you're worried about, um, you know, if you're worried about continuing to get better, to win as many games as you can, to you know, to, to make that next step, then you know, you really have to look at some tough decisions that might that Brian Kelly is going to have to make. Obviously, it wouldn't be a very, uh, you know, a very popular decision with a lot of folks if you, you know, if if Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr., and Jare Jenkins are your main three receivers that you trot out there, but I think that those have been your three most productive so far, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and and so you run the risk of you know of pushing booty away, but also what you got to look at too is that he's got six games left, and look, I don't yeah. think I don't think he plans on being here next year. He's gone. Whether yeah. it's the NFL or somewhere else, I think the writing is on the wall. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, and, no, and, I, and so that's kind of, for me, that's kind of taking into consideration, you know, where the offense is missing the missing pieces that they had, but at the same time, it's not a, it's not a write-off. It's not, it's not a free pass because I think the, you know, I think offensively, just the personnel and getting the right personnel on the field has just been, has been a complete cluster from start to finish. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the, you know, we kind of came in thinking that the receiver room was going to be super deep and super talented. And it was just about getting those guys in the right spots. And I think we kind of overlooked a lot of people, you know, fans, media alike kind of overlooked how difficult that was going to be trying to implement all these different receivers um, into this rotation. And so I'm right there with you. And I think it was um, I think it's becoming more telling by the game. Um, what, what's the one game that Kayshawn missed this week, uh, this year? It was the New Mexico game. And that was the most uh, efficient. The passing offenses looked all season. Um, now, look, it was New Mexico. I'm not trying to say that New Mexico is Auburn or Tennessee or anything like that, but the passing offense was running very smoothly um, against uh, against New Mexico with you know Jack Bash, with Malik Neighbors, with Brian Thomas, with Jeray Jenkins. All those guys had big moments in that game. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you. you. You can't keep trying to force feed Kayshawn the ball. Um, you know, there was a concerted effort, I think, on Saturday to try to get him a lot of touches early, um, and they just didn't go anywhere. You know, he, he had, to think, about three or four catches early in the game that just didn't really get him much. They tried a little end around with him, uh, a reverse play with him early in the game that only got him about a yard or two. I mean, they just – they weren't able to get him uh, up up the field, which is the which is where he has made his – where he's made his NFL money is when, he, when they're getting to him downfield and – it's just something that Jaden's not looking to do at quarterback right now. And so and he's not the same Kayshawn that he was too. That's you know, true. He, yeah. He's not, I mean, he's, you know, he, he played last year to had him listed at 195. You got him at 205 this year. I, I think that the 10 extra pounds that he's carrying, you look at his upper body, you look at his arms. I mean, you can see that he's packed on some muscle, mm-hmm. but the explosiveness doesn't quite look, uh, you know, doesn't look like it did, you know, the first couple of years, uh, the quickness doesn't seem to be there. And then just that suddenness. And not only that suddenness when you look at it, look at his athletic profile, but that suddenness mentally. You know, it, 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 seems, like, it seems like everything is just a step behind. Everything yeah. is just a step slow from what it was before. Even when they did the, uh, you know, even when they did early, they did the little touch pass where Daniels catches it and just tosses it to Kayshawn. Right. He didn't look explosive at all on that. I mean, he he almost looked like a tight end trying to yeah. run that, you know, and, and not being mean, not trying to be insulting or anything. But that's what I keep going back to, to where you've got to take all you've got to take all of that con, into consideration. You've got to take, uh, you know, take number seven out of it, take the name out of it and just look at the body of work. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the body of work so far through six games, I don't think there's any question that he is not one of your bet. He's not playing like one of your top three receivers so far. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I'm, yeah. I'm right. It's a tough there. situation. It's a tough situation because you run the risk of, you know, you obviously have to worry about a locker room that you have to maintain. You've got all those things that you have to take into consideration, but look, if we can see it, if fans can see it, players see it too. Yeah. You know, they see a lot more of each other than we get to see of them. They hear a lot more. 
about what's going on than we get to hear about what's going on. And so, you know, I think you're at the point, I think you're at the point of the season now to where Brian Kelly has to make some tough decisions. Brian Kelly has to make some decisions that are going to rough that are going to ruffle some feathers. But then on the same time, on the same sense, you're going to also have some, you know, you're also going to have some people who are going to say, okay, let's go. Let's, you know, let's, this is kind of, you know, this is what we've been waiting on. They've been looking for a shot in the arm or something, you yeah. know, that's what this offense needs. It needs some sort of adrenaline punch yeah. and, you know, someone's got to give it to them. And I think you're, you know, I think if someone's going to give it to this offense, it's probably going to be Malik neighbors. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was just about to get to Malik. Um, he's been your most consistent guy in terms of change of direction, getting upfield, um, breaking up, you know, breaking for big gains on short run on short passes. Um, he's the guy that I'm looking at. Um, and then also, I mean, look, there's a whole six games now of work of LSU really going hard at, at Mason Taylor, the freshman tight end. And I think if you're gonna continue leaning in on him you've got to draw up some plays for him to where it's not just okay Daniel's looking at him for a check down throw for three yards if you're gonna if you're Jaden Daniels and you're gonna be looking for Mason Taylor you might as well draw up some plays for him because um, he's getting a, a large volume of the of the targets here um, you know kind of really all six games I mean he's been a huge part of this passing offense and they certainly need to get him uh, the ball in some more advantageous positions where he can really move the sticks, get the ball downfield and, and turn loose for, for some bigger gains. But um, yeah, I'm right there with you on Malik neighbors. I think he's got to be the guy um, to carry this offense. Um, I think, you know, there were some positives with John Emery there for a few weeks, but they just were not able to get the run game going at all. You know, if you kind of go to a seven man protection, like Coach Kelly hinted on Saturday, and we'll see how much they do that. I mean, we're not, they probably won't make it a, you know, a signifying thing of their offense just to go seven man protection the whole time. But um, if you, if you have that out there for the run game, um, you can open up some holes, maybe get an extra blocker there on the field. I think that really helps LSU in terms of opening up the offense a little bit more, even if it takes an extra weapon off the field because. Um, you know, Jaden's not really looking for the third or fourth receiver on a play. You know, he's looking for those first couple and then he's taken off. So having that extra blocker there will really help. Um, I guess we can switch over to defense here for a little bit. Um... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, for me, uh, the the secondary play has just not been there the last couple weeks. And again, I think it's one of those things where you can kind of point to some injuries. Um, Major Burns. Uh, being out the last couple weeks, um, we've heard about really all off season at the beginning of this season, just how much of a communicator he is, um, how much they really rely on him in that respect. And he's been out the last couple weeks and is really, you can tell the communication has been down a little bit in the secondary. They've tried switching Jarek Bernard Converse to, to safety. Um, it worked against Auburn. It didn't really work as well um, against uh, Tennessee. They were 
getting beaten a lot of one-on-one coverages for really the first time all year. Uh, you, you could really say that LSU kind of took a beating in one-on-one coverage in the secondary. And I think um, that has to be a concern that has to be a little bit more of a focus this week. Um, you know, just in terms of getting those guys back on track um, for you, Sonny, what, what, what do you think about this secondary and about just kind of the defense as a whole and what they need to do to try to improve uh, moving forward here? Yeah, I think Burns, I think major Burns is a big loss. Um, you know, I think when you, you know, Brian Kelly commented on how great he was at, at communicating and that that was one of his biggest assets back there. Uh, you know, so that's a, that, that, that is a, that's a big task to put on the shoulders of Jarek Bernard Converse, you know, a guy who, you know, who in all, in a perfect world should be playing corner on the, you know, on the outside. And so that's a, you know, that's an adjustment. You know, you're not only are you taking, you know, you have Mason Smith off the field, you have your, you know, your best DT off the field. Now you have your best communicator off the field and major and major burns. And then you're taking, you know, who you thought was going to be your top corner coming into the season. And you're putting him at a position that he has some experience at, but it's not his go-to position. It's not what he's practiced since he's been here. And so, you know, to me, in effect, what you're doing now is now you not you don't have two holes. Now you got three holes yeah. on defense. And granted, you know, Colby Richardson has played good, has played well this season. But we saw, you know, we we saw him. He got he got hit. What was it? Two or three times? At least twice for PI. I think it was. I think it was three. Yeah, he okay, got. Was it three? Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was two. And so you know, so so you saw you saw him kind of get picked on a little bit, and um, you know, and and, and so. When you when I look at the defense and I look at I knew that Tennessee was going to make some big chunk plays. That's what they've done all year. You knew they were going to test the corners. You knew they were going to you know throw the deep ball. They were going to go. They were going to go vertical. The what was really disappointing Saturday and what they they absolutely must do better when they go to the swamp is tackling. They yeah. missed so many tackles on Saturday and and so many opportunities. They missed at least. There's at least two sacks of Hendon Hooker that jump out at me that they had a chance to get. Obviously, the you know the uh, the font, the forced fumble that they weren't able to recover was uh, you know was one of them. But you know, Ollie Gay got to him a couple times and just couldn't wrap him up. And just yeah. couldn't wrap him up. Yeah, and, and you got and you got to give Hendon Hooker credit. I mean, he's a yeah. big guy. He's an athletic guy. He's good. He's a lot better than he you know. He was a lot better than I thought he was. Than, than I thought he would be entering the season. This season, I mean, he's just played lights out. And LSU looked at when you when you look at it, he was only seventeen to twenty seven on Saturday, and that would be that would probably be. I don't know what that comes out to percentage wise, but he had only gone under sixty percent. What's that? Sixty percent. Yeah. Okay. He had only gone under sixty percent one time. So you know that was that was one of the better one of the better performances if you look at just at his stats by that defense, but the tackling, the tackling and the missed opportunities was just atrocious. You know, it, it was, uh, it was bad not being able to substitute uh, because of Tennessee's frenetic pace that, you know, that obviously it was something that you had to take into consideration, but, you know, to beat a team like a good team, like Tennessee and Tennessee is a good team to beat a good team like Tennessee when you when you're minus five starters, yeah, you've got to have a lot of things go your way. A lot yeah. of things go your way. When you fumble the opening kickoff, you give up the big punt return, 
that's you spotted them 10 points right there. And it was, you know, you, you can't do that. You can't do that against a team, good team. You can't lose the turnover battle. You can't lose the special teams battle. You can't get beat in every facet of the game or it's going to look like a 40 to 13 game. The good thing is that there are some things that LSU can take from this game that they can correct and hopefully that they can learn from that they can go to the swamp and that's not a game. You know, I don't think that's a game that you, that LSU goes into as a big underdog. No. You know, yeah, I, I, know, I know that the early spread came out with Florida, I think favored by two and a half, but you know, if I'm looking at this game right here and I'm looking at LSU in Florida, you know, I'm saying, okay, this is a pick em right here. Yeah. And anytime you go on the road as a pick em, you know, you, you got to feel pretty good. You got to feel pretty good about your chances. So, you know, I think that, I, I think that this, I, I think that defensively, Anthony Richardson is not going to be an easy matchup by any means. And I think that he's going to look to run the ball more than Hendon Hooker did. Yeah. And so, you know, I think you're going to have to spy him more than you, you know, more than you had to worry about with Hendon, with Hendon Hooker. But look, if you're letting Florida run for 250, you know, rush for 250 yards, it doesn't matter how much you spy on the quarterback, you know, because you're, you're just, you know, you're losing that battle in the trenches. And if they're able to run the ball, well, then, you know, they're going to have a lot of opportunities on the back end to go over the top of your defense, too. So, you know, it's going to take a, it's going to it's going to take a really strong effort by LSU in the swamp. But I don't think that this is a game that you should look at, that fans should look at and, and, and be, you know, and think that it's doom and gloom just because of what happened at Tennessee. There were going to be times like this. Brian Kelly knew that there were going to be games like this. And like when I was talking to someone inside the building, you know, the key is not to have multiple, is not to have too many, and not to have them back-to-back. Yeah. Because, you know, you go out, you know, you have another if – you, if you go out and you have another disappointing effort in the swamp, well, then, like Brian Kelly said, you do it once. It's a – I forget. What did he say? Once is a coincidence. Twice, twice is, is – uh, Twice is – something is something is twice and third is – Third a, time's a habit. Third time's <laughs> a habit. I can't remember what it's Right, right, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, you know, you don't want to you, – you don't want to have those negative moments like that. Because yeah. then that is when the, you know, that is when the character and how close this team really is really comes into question. Yeah. And I think that if there's one advantageous position for this defense to be in, it's that you're absolutely right. Anthony Richardson is not Hendon Hooker from an accuracy standpoint at the quarterback spot. So I think you're going to have some opportunities there as a secondary to get your fundamentals back on track, make your tackles, um, you know, be a little bit more solid in coverage um, and, and force hooker and force Richardson, I should say to really have to beat, beat you with his arm. And cause I, I think LSU can win in that kind of scenario. Um, you know, look, hooker averaged 14.1 yards of completion last week against LSU. And you can make the argument that a lot of it came on yards after the catch. I mean, LSU was not giving up a whole ton of deep balls in that game. They had the one touchdown, I think in the first half that put them up 20 to nothing that was on a deep ball. Um, but I'm pretty sure Hooker was just taking what LSU was giving him in the middle of the field and letting his receivers make the big plays um, on the yards after the catch because LSU wasn't making the tackles. And so I, I do think tackling is going to have to be uh, kind of your main focus defensively. Um, tackling and also, you know, look, they, they got gashed in the run game. And we asked Coach Kelly after the game what 
what was happening with the with the run defense because that was but that had been a part of the identity of this group that had been pretty consistent for most of the first five games. Um, and Kelly kind of just plainly said, "You got to coach him better," and that was a a consistent answer throughout the entire press conference on Saturday was we got to coach better. We got to coach better. We got to coach better. Um, and I mean, I, I mean, I, I just don't know how much you can really take away from that as a media or a fan. Um, but on the field, it certainly looked like a team that was just not prepared for that moment, not prepared for that top 10 battle uh, against a really solid opponent. Um, you have an, another opportunity this weekend to, kind of try to build some of that good faith back up, uh, you know, within the team, uh, outside of the team. I think it's going to be a really important week uh, for you to be pretty fundamentally sound. And if you can go into Gainesville, uh, a place where there's always some really, really fun battles between LSU and Florida uh, in Gainesville, uh, you just look at the last two. You got the the shoe incident and the kicking into the 57-yarder into the fog and then yeah, you know, the year before that, it was a, or the, the time before that, it was Joe Burrow throwing an interception, a pick six there that really sealed the deal for for Florida there in the late fourth quarter. So this is going to be a tight game. I don't think this is going to be a, uh, this is going to be exactly like Vegas is predicting right now. It's going to be a pick 'em. It's going to be uh, a, a tight one, and LSU is going to have to uh, be a lot more fundamentally sound. Uh, I think for, for for on both sides of the ball to be able to win this one. Um, and get back on track here in SEC play. Um, question for you. Sure. A lot of fans, I see a lot of fans uh, get really amped up and, and feel like Brian Kelly's tossing coach speak out there when he <laughs> says that we got to coach better. We got to coach. Yeah. Better. What's your take on that? Yeah. So I, I think it's part of it's on coaching, but I also think he doesn't want to lose the locker room. He doesn't want to throw any of his players or his team under the bus. Um, you know, that's look, my thing. So what do fans want him to say? Yeah, exactly. What do fans want him to say? If he came like, out, if he came out and he said, look, Malik neighbors is not run, you know, Malik yeah. neighbors is sloppy on his routes. Kayshawn's not really engaged. Um, you know, we've got some offensive linemen who just really haven't, you know, haven't progressed, haven't stepped up. You know, if he got specific like that, what do you think the transfer portal would look like come November and December? You know, exactly. so, I don't I, – I, that's that's one thing that I don't get because I would rather him say – and I think he's being honest there. I yeah. think he's being honest. You know, we've got to coach better, yeah. you know. Now, you know, they would – they may feel better about it if he would get into the technicals of what we need to coach better, how we need to coach better, what we can do to coach better. Um, you know, maybe that's what they want to hear, but – I think that, you know, when he says we need to coach better, I'm like, okay, okay. That's that to me, that's better than, you know, than him throwing players under the bus. Yeah. You know, because- they're taking responsibility. He's saying, look, you know, I'm being paid $9 million a year. It starts with me. I got to do a better job. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's taking ownership in that. And so when I hear him say that, you know, while it may be coach speak, just because it's so normal, you know, it's, it's across the board taking this coach speak. I think he's saying the right things. Yeah, no, I, I think, think he's saying. I think he's saying all the right that, things for the betterment of the program. You got to keep that stuff internal. You, you know, you can't go out there publicly bashing any one player, any one position group, anything like that. And look, I mean, I've been at every single Brian Kelly press conference since he got here. He's been very open with the media and his 
in his answers. I mean, like he he has gone into some specifics on what they need to do uh, throughout the season to get better. He's even I mean, look, the very first press conference back in spring. What was one of the big things? One of the big grabbing headlines was that we need to get Kayshawn under wraps. You know, we got to bring him in. It's been a it's been a process of building that relationship with me and him and with our offense and with uh, how we're going to use him and whatnot. Um, so he's gone into some specifics about players before. I just think that when you get gobsmacked like that, the last thing you want your players to see or read or hear from your head coach is is them, you know, kind of throwing them under the bus. And so right. I think that's stuff you can handle in meetings. That's and what meetings. Mondays are for. That's what that's Mondays, what Mondays are, for. are for after the press conference and you regroup your team together. That's what those are for. Those position meetings – is when you're saying, okay, you've got to, you've got to run better routes. You can't be so lazy out of your breaks. You know, you've got to, you know, your offensive line room. Look, we need some of you guys to step up. It's now or never. You know, it's it's what are we going to do? You know, and, and you've got to rally the troops and you've got to send your subliminal messages, but you got to do it behind closed doors. Yeah. You don't do it in front of the media. So I hope he I hope he continues to give that coach speak all all year because <laughs> if he does and he's addressing it behind closed doors, the program's going to be so much better off for it. And you and you keep the locker room in more unison there. Um, but with that being said, uh, special teams. Do we want to talk about special teams? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Can we no. just punt, can we punt that? Yeah, we can punt that one. Um, I mean, we can wrap up special teams really, really easy. Okay? Yeah, I mean, it is atrocious. Yeah, it's atrocious. It's it's atrocious from a um, from a fundamental standpoint. Yeah, it's atrocious. It was atrocious from an organization standpoint out of the gates, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it hasn't gotten any, and it's not getting any better. You know, yeah. now players have to make plays. Coaches have to put the right players in the right situations to let them make plays. But, um, you know, you've, uh, you've, you've got to do something to where you're not going to turn special teams around in the middle of the season to where it all of a sudden becomes a weapon. But what you've got to get it, you've got to get it to a point to where it doesn't completely kill you. It's you not know, costing you're you gonna more. give up. Your, you're gonna you're gonna have your bad plays. You're gonna have your bad moments. But you can't have those back to back moments. You can't have those yeah. multiple moments in games because those multiple moments in games lead to multiple scores. You know, yeah. you can go on the road. You can win it. You can win a game by giving a team. You know, by giving them a touchdown on special teams. You can over. You can overcome that. It ain't easy, but you can overcome that. But you start spotting multiple touchdowns on special teams, and all of a sudden those little mistakes, then they start spilling over into defense. They start spilling over into offense. I mean, you look, we saw a substitution penalty on each side of the ball Saturday. Yeah. You know, and you look yeah. at it, and you say, okay, how many, you know, how many times can we can we get caught in this yeah. situation? And that goes back to the organization on the sideline. I mean, you saw Brian Kelly lighting it, lighting into Cortez Hankton a couple of times. You saw him lighting into several a couple of times. And so I think that, you know, I think that just the, uh, you know, the overall, the overall of the, of the organization on the special teams and, and getting that, getting that connection with your personnel, you know, from the assistant coaches to their personnel that they're dealing with, you know, getting that, getting that symmetry, getting that, that, I guess that feeling to where they're all sitting around singing Kumbaya yeah. <laughs> is what you're looking for. You know, yeah. 
but but that whole synergy just seems off. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that, teams in the biggest way. That that opening kick was just a microcosm of what has been a problem all year long. I mean, the, the communication there between Besh and, and the coaching staff there on the sidelines where he had to be on the other side of the field essentially and they had to really rush that and and you know, the guy kicked a booch kick that was, you know, 15 yards, you know, uh, you know, in front of where Besh was predicting the ball to go, and it was a, it was a tough play. You got to still make the catch, but when you, when you're switching sides of the field, when the guy is literally about to put his leg into the ball, uh, it's uh, it's just not a good look. And so, uh, I'm with you there. You, you got to get to the point where special team isn't costing you points. Um, LSU spotted him ten points on special teams. I mean, yeah, you can say the defense should have held, you know, from 25 yard line, uh, but. You, you 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 can't you can't give them that kind of position. You can't give an offense like that that kind of field position. And so, if you can just get to a point where you're just throwing up the fair catch signal, catching the ball, letting the offense take over wherever it needs to, um, then then I think you're going to be okay. Uh, and and just just don't 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 try to do too much, you know, because right now it's just like every time somebody kicks it off or punts it to LSU, it's just a. It's a big, you know, big, big kind of you're holding your breath kind of thing. And you just got to get to a point where that's not an issue. So um, yeah, something should be some, some things should be like clockwork. Yeah. Some things, you know, some things you should be able to do without having to put much thought into it. Kicking an extra point, you know, yeah. that's one, you know, granted you got a new kicker at the beginning of the season and stuff, but by this point, by this time of the year, kicking an extra point should be pretty fundamental. Kicking a 27 to 33 yard field goal should be pretty fundamental. Although, don't tell that to Will Reichert in Alabama <laughs> yeah. because we saw how close that game was yeah. because of two missed kicks. Yeah. But just certain, you know, some some things should be, you know, on the long punt return, the 58-yard punt return, uh, one guy overran the ball. He had two missed tackles right there, Mike Jones Jr. and then somebody else. And, um, you know, just those kind, of pl- those kind of plays right there or, you know, when you get a chance to make a tackle in a game like that, to where you know that you're not, you know, you know that the that the misses and the miscues that there's a very small margin for error, you know, they just they just started they just piled up way too soon, way too quickly for LSU to be even be able to overcome that. And then the fourth net, you know, the fourth down gambles, the the one uh, you know, I I I I, de- I love the idea of taking the three when you're down ten yeah. nothing. At that point, I think you just need you need to get some points on the board. You need to get the crowd saying, "Okay, okay, okay. Now we're okay. Now we're good. Now we're in it. We're you know we got some points on the board. You got that off your back. And uh, you know when you when when you miss that, and then you know the the one before the one before the half to me is just inexcusable. That's just yeah. inexcusable. You know, yeah. on the one hand, you feel like, okay, we've got to get some points. We've got to make something happen. But then you've also got to consider the, the negative consequence of yeah. that. You know, yeah. you still, if, if you go into the half down 20 to seven, you're still going in with some momentum. Yeah. But then when you gave them that field goal, any momentum you had, you immediately spilled, you immediately shifted to the Tennessee side. And knowing that they were getting the ball coming out of the half, I think that that should have probably gotten as much consideration saying okay if we don't you know if we don't get this and they go down and get a field goal and then they get the ball coming out of the half this game could be over yep and, and to me that's what it was when when tennessee got that field goal they went in at half when they came out and scored that touchdown out of half that game was over it was, it a, was over right it was there. a it, it was a collective sigh i think out of the, the, the tiger stadium when that field goal ended up happening so 
yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. That fourth and ten call, I don't get. I'll never be able to get. Kelly told us after the game it was right on the – it was teetering on the edge of their analytics that they should go for it. Um, but, I mean, there was just nothing about that offense that led you to believe that they would be able to convert that fourth and ten. Um, and not only do you not convert it, but you get sacked for like an eight-yard loss and they start with – you know, pretty much the ball on their own 40 or at their 40-yard line, LSU's 40-yard line. So, yeah, just uh, a lot of stuff that needs to be corrected. We'll see if they can start doing it. Sonny, I appreciate you hopping on with us today. Yeah. We'll be back at the end of the week giving us some more detailed thoughts on Florida and what to expect with that matchup. Uh, but until then, we'll catch you guys later. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.